With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the best of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Listen closely, because it happens rarely. I was 100% wrong. I believed in Jim Harbaugh, and I was wrong. I believed in their defense, and I was wrong. I believed that they were an elite team in college football, and I was wrong. I should have stuck to my guns until Michigan actually proved that they could beat Ohio State. I should have stuck to it. I didn't. I bought into the hype. That's on me. Michigan, still a fraud. Jim Harbaugh, still incapable of proving that his team is good enough to contend for a championship. Urban Meyer owns Michigan. This was, I think, a sobering and eye-opening loss because the one thing you thought you could hang your hat on was your defense, and you were just flat out wrong. That defense was old and slow. You lose a game, sometimes it happens to a rival. You lose and give up 62 points, you have major structural foundational issues in your program. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis, weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I don't know if you guys saw the Leonard Fournette fight getting kicked out of the game. This has to be driving Tom Coughlin crazy. The Jags have lost. This is wild. It's hard to remember now, but the Jags were at one point sitting at 3-1, and one, coming off a huge win over the New England Patriots, and everybody was talking about the Jags as legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Maybe they're the best team in the AFC. Since then, they have lost seven games in a row. The Bills, not very good, but Josh Allen, who got insulted in the offseason by Jalen Ramsey, gets his revenge uh, with a 14-yard run in the fourth quarter. Bills beat the Jags, and the Jags, I I don't know what the solution is going to be for the Jags, all right? But the Jags now are sitting at 3-8. and It feels like they basically have mailed the season in. 
Uh, they've got a couple of division games coming up against the Colts and the Titans. Uh, then they go on the road against the Redskins. I mean, their season is over. But the question I think that's hanging out here, and I think it's a good one, is what's Tom Coughlin going to do about the Jags? It seems clear that Blake Bortles is not the answer for Jacksonville. I think if there's anybody out there who is still a, yeah, Blake Bortles can be a high-level quarterback in this league, he was 12 for 23 for 127 yards with two INTs against the Bills. I mean, as bad as Josh Allen has been, Josh Allen outperformed Blake Bortles at quarterback. Leonard Fournette undisciplined enough to get kicked out of the game, even though he's the offensive heavyweight uh, for Jacksonville. This has to be driving Tom Coughlin crazy. I would expect for there to be a certain level of house cleaning in the offseason for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Probably going to finish 5-11, and 4-12, something like that down the stretch. This is an ugly, ugly team that has completely fallen apart. A year after we thought this is a young team that can go after the Super Bowl, the Jags completely fallen apart. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. I'm always in favor of more college football. I think what would be great if we have what I think is likely to end up happening, which is Alabama beats Georgia, Clemson beats Pittsburgh, Notre Dame is already in, I think that Oklahoma is going to beat Texas, and I think that Ohio State is going to beat Northwestern, and the decision is going to come down to Ohio State against Oklahoma. By the way, Vegas odds maker makes Oklahoma a one-point favorite over Ohio State. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch that game. Why don't we have a play-in game? If we were going to create a brand new game, put it on pay-per-view, tell me that game wouldn't produce a massive audience if we knew that Oklahoma and Ohio State, given how good the past couple of games those teams played, Remember Baker Mayfield planting the flag. If we played a neutral site game somewhere between Oklahoma and Ohio State, tell me that wouldn't be an insanely successful television event and the winner got to go to the college football playoff as the four seed. That would be by far, I think, the most fair situation we could possibly have. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. This is a confidence show, particularly when we're rolling along on a Monday, reacting to college football and the NFL. A bunch of calls from you guys. Uh, I'll take some of those calls. Uh, then I'll get an update here from uh, Eddie Garcia. But first, your calls. Uh, Chris in Charleston, South Carolina. What you got for me? Hey, yeah, I was wondering if uh, Alabama and Clemson both win and Oklahoma and Ohio State lose, does UCF have a chance to jump in there even with their quarterback injury now? Yeah, I appreciate the call. That's one of the complicated – there are a couple of complicated hypotheticals out there. So uh, given how big of a a favorite they are, I I think it's fair to say that Clemson losing to, uh, to Pittsburgh would be a tremendous upset, right? I also have already told you that I think Alabama's in regardless. So if Alabama wins and knocks Georgia out of the playoff contention and Clemson wins and Notre Dame, we assume, is already in, so that's three, and then Oklahoma, then Oklahoma lost to Texas and then we had uh, Northwestern beat Ohio State, who would then be the fourth team in the college football playoff? There's not an easy answer. I think if Mackenzie Milton had not gotten hurt, that maybe you'd be able to argue that Mackenzie Milton and uh, 
UCF would be able to slide up, maybe. I still don't think they would. I think with the injury, there's almost a 0% chance of that happening now. Uh, I think, ridiculously, I think Georgia would end up in the college football playoff. I don't know how many of you watched the end of that Texas A&M-LSU game that went seven overtimes, 74-72. The real impact of that game in the event that Ohio State lost to Northwestern and Oklahoma lost to Texas would be that it would knock LSU out of the college football playoff. Because if LSU had won that game, and I thought they won it, I tweeted that they won it, I didn't see that uh, that Mon's uh, leg was down, that his knee was down before he threw that interception. That was a crazy, crazy ending. Coach Ed Ogeron got dunked by the Gatorade bath. If you weren't watching that, maybe the most crazy college football game I've ever seen. But I think that Georgia would get in the playoff because I think they would then, I mean, who would you have out there who would have a better resume than 11-2 and two Georgia at that point? You'd have to go to a two-loss team. I don't think two-loss Ohio State has a better resume than 11-2 and two Georgia. I don't think that two-loss Oklahoma would have a better resume than 11-2 and two Georgia. Neither one of those teams would have won a championship. You're going to get a three-loss Pac-12 champ. I don't think certainly Michigan sitting at 10-2 and two would have a better resume than Georgia. I think Georgia would get in. I think, again, the hypothetical that, uh, that we just got in Charleston, Chris in Charleston, is I think it would be uh, Georgia that would get in. Dub is saying, wouldn't it be Texas after beating OU? I don't think so because Texas has got three losses. And they'd be 10-3. and three. I think Georgia would be the team that would get in. I mean, Texas, I, I, I don't think they would get in. Maybe you could make that argument. And certainly the television ratings would like that. They'd like to get Texas in, but I think it would be I think it would be Georgia. Because you think in eleven and two Georgia, they would have lost to LSU on the road and they would have lost to Alabama. Texas three losses, I, I don't think they'd get in. We never had a two loss team, I don't believe, make the college football playoff. The jump to three loss team is I think too substantial. Now I think Oklahoma and uh Ohio State are both going to win. But that's kind of that. That's that breakdown. Uh, what about uh, Gary in Pennsylvania? What you got for me, Gary? Thanks for taking my call, diehard Buckeye fan. And I totally agree with your breakdown uh, on the college football playoff. Although, this is what I'd like to ask you. And also, it's kind of a statement. I do believe that they should have... Uh, said to Notre Dame, if you are really going to be considered in the top four, you're going to play UCF as your conference to see who gets in. Uh, that's that's just a kind of a question. Let's say you, sir. Thanks. Yeah, I, I do think it's a little bit unfair that Notre Dame is getting basically to go sit and kick their feet up and wait to see who they're going to get to play against. And you know they don't have a conference championship game. And you could say, well, Alabama got into the college football playoff last year and they went 11-1. and By the way, let me clean one thing up. Alabama lost last year by 12 to Auburn in the Iron Bowl. So they've lost two games by double digits uh, over the past eight years in the SEC. They lost uh, all the way back in uh, – they lost by two touchdowns by 14. So i got to change my stat to two touchdowns or more to uh, Steven Garcia back in the day. And then they lost 26-14, to 14, I think, last year in the, uh, in the Iron Bowl to Auburn. 
was the only game Auburn, that Alabama lost last year. And I think that the difference is the expectation is you're going to play in a conference title game, but for kind of a crazy quirk of the schedule circumstance. And so that's why I think there's a little bit of difference with Notre Dame. I think what would be great, and look, I'm always in favor of more college football. I think what would be great if we have what I think is likely to end up happening, which is Alabama beats Georgia, Clemson beats Pittsburgh, Notre Dame is already in, I think that Oklahoma is going to beat Texas, and I think that Ohio State's going to beat Northwestern, and the decision's going to come down to Ohio State against Oklahoma. By the way, Vegas odds maker makes Oklahoma a one-point favorite over Ohio State. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch that game. Why don't we have a play-in game? If we were going to create a brand new game, put it on pay-per-view, tell me that game wouldn't produce a massive audience if we knew that Oklahoma and Ohio State, given how good the past couple of games those teams played, remember Baker Mayfield planting the flag, if we played a neutral site game somewhere between Oklahoma and Ohio State, Tell me that wouldn't be an insanely successful television event and the winner got to go to the college football playoff as the four seed. That would be by far, I think, the most fair situation we could possibly have. Uh, What you got for me, Robert, in New York? Yeah, so I'm a diehard fan, and I just want to ask a question. Like you said, we get to sit back and kick our was wondering if everything played out all the teams went out and the top four stays the way it is how do you think we match up against Clemson and if we were to beat Clemson what do you think the opening line spread would be uh if we played the final game against Alabama yeah Notre Dame fan there he was breaking up a little bit but Robert in New York and by the way the phone number 877-996-6369 right now the way it would break down is uh, I think if, if everything went according to the way that I'm anticipating it right now, it would be Alabama against Oklahoma and it would be uh, Clemson against Notre Dame. I don't, it's, it's an excellent question. So I think that Alabama, let me do Alabama-Oklahoma first. I think Alabama-Oklahoma, Oklahoma has no hope of stopping Tua Tagovailoa, right? I think he would throw for... 400 yards, I think Alabama would score 70 points if they needed to. And I think Oklahoma would be capable in a, in a shootout like that of scoring 35 or 40 against Alabama. But I think Alabama would get a lot of stops against Oklahoma. And ultimately, Alabama would win by two or three touchdowns pretty easily. So that's what I think would happen in the Oklahoma game. I think Alabama is the much better team than everybody else. I'm a little bit – so first of all, I don't think Notre Dame is going to get dominated like they did the last time they got into one of these big signature games against Alabama by anybody other than Alabama. I think Alabama has a chance to wipe out everybody in the college football playoff by a substantial margin. But I think Notre Dame could be competitive against Clemson primarily for this reason. We really haven't seen Clemson play a lot of high-level competition. I, don't, I think the ACC is really bad this year. And the three examples that I will give you just on what we saw last weekend. Did you see what happened in the rivalry week games between the SEC and the ACC? It didn't get a lot of attention because none of these games were really kind of like high-level 
games. It wasn't a lot of people sitting around saying, man, I'm really excited to watch Georgia play Georgia Tech. I'm really excited to watch Kentucky play Louisville. I'm really excited to watch Florida play Florida State. Florida went on the road and won 41-14 to against Florida State. Means that Willie Taggart is not going to a bowl game at FSU. I believe that's the first time since 1981 that we have not had a bowl game for Florida State. And by the way, somebody wrote something racist about Willie Taggart. So stupid. Like, I, I, I see like it's a headline some places. Like, look, you can dislike somebody for a variety of reasons. There are plenty of reasons that you can think Willie Taggart did a bad job as a coach this year. His race really has nothing to do with it, right? I mean, I just, it's so lazy. Like, there are all sorts of reasons why you can hate a coach in terms of his performance for what he's done for your program. Basing it on anything other than the coach stinks is, to me, just trying way too hard, right? Period. Uh, That's all I'm going to say about that. Georgia destroys Georgia Tech. Not even remotely close. 45-7. to Georgia Tech gets a couple of scores late. Georgia Tech got wiped out. And Kentucky hung 56 on Louisville and beat them 56-10. to Those are SEC against ACC games. And then South Carolina went on the road against Clemson and scored 35 points against them. So I'm not 100% sold on Clemson as much as some others might be. Uh, That's kind of my personal read on that game in general. I just don't know that I really buy into it, right? I don't know that I buy into Clemson being head and shoulders above uh, Notre Dame. So I think that would be a competitive game. I really do. I think Ian Book makes it a difference maker. Uh, and so I think that Notre Dame, I look, do I think Notre Dame would be the underdog? Yeah, probably by six and a half, seven points. But I think that can be a very competitive game. I think Alabama otherwise substantially better. Who's up next, Dub? Who should I go to next? We got Charlie and Dayton. Charlie and Dayton, what you got for me? Clay, I love where your head's at with Oklahoma, Ohio State, pay-per-view, played in Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol Motor Speedway. And also... Uh, Notre Dame, I don't know why everybody's so upset that they don't play a championship game. I mean, NBC abuses them and makes them play all across America, so they should get a little credit for that. Thanks. Yeah, it is true. Look, I mean, uh, Notre Dame went to New York City, and then they flew all the way across the country, and they played in L.A. They played against Syracuse, and they played in uh, in L.A. back-to-back weeks. It's a pretty tough schedule. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We bring in now Alex Marvez. And Alex, it certainly seemed like the Browns wanted to beat Hugh Jackson just (laughs) badly with the fact that he's flipped teams in the middle of the season. Can you ever remember seeing anything like that? No, I, I can't. You know, sometimes you might bring in someone as a consultant, but not someone who gets fired as a head coach who immediately assumes such a major part uh, with another team. And it's funny how it was spun, right? Remember, Hugh Jackson didn't want to leave the Cleveland Browns. At least I don't think he did. Uh, you know, but he was fired. It wasn't like, oh, well, he had it in a choice. I mean, he wanted to keep working, and he wants to remain, you know, a viable member of, of you know, the coaching fraternity in the NFL. He doesn't want to sit out waiting for another job. So, And I think, too, he sees a path potentially to becoming 
hiring a head coach again with the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that obviously can't get out of its own way. And if there is a change made, I do think that Hugh Jackson would get strong consideration from Mike Brown because at this point, Mike doesn't want outside ideas. He is very comfortable. Are they ever going to fire Marvin no. Lewis? Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, look, it's Mike Brown's decision, and Mike doesn't want change. I mean, that's just how he is as a team owner. He's very good with comfort at this point in his life now that he's in his early 80s, and Marvin does what Mike wants. And it's similar to Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones, except the Cowboys actually have success, whereas the Bengals now are having no success. So, yeah, it it was personal, I think. And, and, you know, look, too, I think people realized, hey, Hugh Jackson was an anchor on the Cleveland Browns. I, I mean, think about how this year might have gone had they actually had Greg Williams Williams as head coach, who's done a good job, and his defense has played well. Freddie Kitchens has done a nice job as offensive coordinator. Now, all this being said, let's not forget here, this is a 4-6-1 and one type of team as well, and they've beaten two slumping teams in Atlanta and Cincinnati. But look, other Browns teams would have lost. This team won. And they're fun to watch entering December. So, yeah, I mean, I think, th- I think that's a real positive for them. And as for the Bengals, you know, the fans, all they can do is shrug their shoulders, Clay. Look, I know the Bengals really well as an organization. That was the first team I ever covered. I follow them really closely and it's really just all on Mike Brown. If Mike wants something different, wants to make a change, wants to change the culture in his organization, well, he's hiring a different coach and he's listening to different ideas. If he's content with the same old, same old and cashing those giant checks from the NFL, then you're going to keep seeing what you're seeing. Do you think that that Greg Williams could get a chance to keep this Browns job or do you think they're going to go outside regardless? My impression initially from speaking to people who, who know the situation well is that everyone was going to get cleared out and there'd be a whole new look for the Browns you know, in 2019. Now, if the Browns keep winning and responding the way they are, maybe John Dorsey takes a different look at it. The question is this, you know, do you trust Freddie Kitchens to develop Baker Mayfield into a quarterback? And if it's not him, then who is it? Because really that's what the whole purpose of the next head coach is, right? Making sure that you develop Baker Mayfield into a franchise quarterback. It's what the Chicago Bears did with the hiring of Matt Nagy, Sean McVay, the same thinking you know, with the Los Angeles Rams, is to develop the franchise quarterback. So is Freddie Kitchens that guy? He's not going to be the head coach. Don't get me wrong. He's not there yet. But, you know, is he the type of offensive coordinator you want? Can he and Greg Williams work together? Listen, there's no previous relationship between those guys either. This staff was put together as a hodgepodge type of staff by John Dorsey. And, John, I think, you know, maybe trying to move Hugh a little bit closer to that exit door, hiring a guy like Todd Haley and taking away the play calling from Hugh Jackson. Think about that. You know, Hugh Jackson didn't have the ability to control whether or not he called the plays for the Cleveland Browns. How goofy is that, right, as an organization? So there's still some dysfunction going on in Cleveland, but whoever it is, just got to make sure that everyone is rowing the boat in the right direction. So far, Greg Williams has done a good job with it. And look, if they win out or they go, they finish with a winning record, I think that his, his candidacy grows. But again, it's all about Baker Mayfield. It's not in 2019 and beyond. It's not about 2018. Last night, uh, the Packers, not officially, officially dead in the playoff race, but they seem awfully close. Does Mike McCarthy keep his job? I don't think so. I I think this is the end of an era. And, you know, I I mean, has, has any quarterback looked as unhappy on the field lately as Aaron Rodgers? I mean, really, it's like when, when I see those State Farm commercials and how unhappy I am to have to watch that direct this season, it's the same look on his face. You know, every time I see him, he, he's just, he looks miserable. And, you know, it's, it's starting to seep into his play a little bit. You see Aaron misfiring on some passes that he normally wouldn't misfire. And you see the frustration. He's sinking a wide receiver's one place, and it isn't, or the protection breaking down. And, you know, there's a terrible third-down offense as well. They're 24th in the NFL in third-down conversions. They've lost eight straight road games dating back to last season. But, look, if I'm looking for a silver lining for the Packers, there is a way for them to make the playoffs at 9-6-1. and one. They're just giving themselves no margin of error here. They have the, the tied with the, the uh, 
uh, sorry, Rams, for the easiest schedule, strength of schedule over the final five games of the season. Their opponents have a combined winning percentage of 382. So it's got to start next Sunday against a team that's actually even worse than them right now, the Arizona Cardinals. they got to beat Atlanta at home. Go to Chicago. you got to win there in Week 15. Then you're at the Jets home against Detroit. You run that set, You run that you know gambit. All of a sudden, you're 9-6-1. Maybe Mike McCarthy saves his gig. But right now, not looking good. And you know what's so weird, too? The play calling is strange. you got Aaron Rodgers not going on some, in some fourth down situations that you would think, wow, if you have a guy that's talented, maybe you want to go for it. You don't want to put too much pressure on a defense last night that had a secondary that was just ravaged by injuries. I mean, it, and the special teams remain just so inconsistent. On a, you know, they're more missed than hit. So, yeah, I mean, all these signs are pointing toward that because, again, the narrative play continues. How come Mike McCarthy hasn't won multiple Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback? And, you know, there's no no real answer to that right now. I mean, there's there's a lot of people to blame on that, but Mike McCarthy's probably going to take the hit on this one. The Jags have lost seven in a row. They got their best player on offense getting in a legitimate fist fight and getting kicked out of the game. Jalen Ramsey talks trash about Josh Allen. Lo and behold, Josh Allen finds a way to get the win. Scrambles, of all things, for a touchdown against them. Rushes for 100 yards. Josh Allen does. What is the takeaway here if you are the Jags? The Bills are what what they are. You know, they're four and seven. They're not very good. They have a better record than the Jags do. This has to be driving Tom Coughlin crazy. What do the Jags do now in the offseason? Well, Jack's got to find a quarterback, right? And, and they put this one off. They were really hoping that Blake Bortles could, could be that guy based upon what they saw last year. And I, I can't blame them for thinking that. You know, I mean, they're around the guy every day. You saw some improvement, but all of that fell by the wayside this year. He just, is, he just cannot make game-changing types of plays. I mean, you know, you look at, at the previous week, his longest completion of a wide receiver was 14 yards. I mean, you know, just you, you can't win like this. I mean, they rushed for 226 yards yesterday, even with Leonard Fournette getting ejected in the third quarter, and you're still losing games. They, the Jags offense, they try to take the football out of Blake Bortles' hands. How many teams in the NFL can win like that on a consistent basis when you don't have the type of quarterback that you want? they got to ask themselves if Jalen Ramsey is worth the headaches that he can provide by continuing to open his mouth. You know, he's a great player, but, you know, of course, you know, you see that the Buffalo Bills trolling him as well on their, on their social media account. You know, about Jalen Ramsey talking trash about him. Jaguars didn't even sack, you know, um, Josh Allen yesterday. I think the thing, too, on defense, there's something missing. Maybe it's the slot cornerback spot. I don't know. But there is way too much talent, way too much money being spent on that side of the football to get what you're getting. And, again, on offense, you know, the play calling by Nate Hackett has been pretty poor. But, you know, then again, you think about it, he's just trying to not give the football to Blake Bortles. It's a mess there right now in that regard. But I really think if they can get that game-changing quarterback, it makes a difference. And, Clay, each week that goes by – the Jaguars keep sinking. And, you know, are they going to be in position with a top three, top four pick to potentially get that guy? Because you look at San Francisco, you look at other teams that are playing poorly, Arizona, they already have their franchise quarterback in tow, so they don't need to be drafting at the position. That plays well for the Jaguars potentially getting their guy in 2019. Lamar Jackson, not as many rushes this week for the Ravens as he had last week, but they got to win. Maybe the Raiders, like you said, are just completely tanking. Uh, what do we make of the Ravens quarterback situation? What's going on with Joe Flacco health situation? What do you hear here? Because the Ravens are sitting at six and five and maybe they can make a run down the stretch with two straight wins. Yeah, and listen, they're at Atlanta next week, so you figure they're, they're, that's a very winnable game with the way the Falcons are playing. So if you're at 7-5, and five, and I don't think Joe Flacco is coming back this week, then you've got a decision to make. Because, you know, you're at, you're at Kansas City, 
home against Tampa Bay, at the Chargers, home against Cleveland. So you're looking at about a 9-7 and seven type of record there, maybe, you know? I mean, that's where they're at. Look, what Baltimore's doing better than what they haven't done, it, better than at any point this season play, they are running the football. And I know Lamar Jackson is a big deal as part of that, but for the past two weeks, 242 and 267 yards on the ground, and they rolled over the Raiders, even without Alex Collins. And, 20, you know, 22 minutes of time of possession in the second half. I mean, so, they're, so this offense is playing better with Lamar Jackson. That run-pass element is something that's catching teams off balance. And listen, Joe Flacco wasn't exactly, as we know, setting the world on fire anyway. So my impression is they're going to continue to ride with him. We know that Joe's probably a goner in 2019. Probably, and I say probably, his salary cap situation. Play, they made such a huge mistake extending his contract back in 2016. It will cost them a boatload of dead money to, to cut Joe Flacco or to trade him in 2019. But it's something that they're going to have to do because I think that the ship has sailed on his time with the Ravens. And we'll see. You know, listen, John Harbaugh, he's coaching for his job. There's no time to wait for Joe Flacco anymore. He's got to ride with Lamar Jackson. I think that's what you'll end up seeing. Which are you more confident in right now? The Patriots, who looked a little bit wobbly but got the win over the Jets coming out of the bye week after getting whipped by the Titans, or the Steelers, who are 1-1 one one in their past two on the road but looked pretty bad against the Jags and then looked pretty bad again against the uh against the broncos in terms of making winning plays which one are you more confident in coming down the final five weeks of the season Oh, I'm confident in the Patriots. I mean, look, and, and the way they did it yesterday, by the way, 215 yards on the ground against the Jets, that's the highest total since 2014 against the Colts. Remember the Jonas Gray game? When, when Jonas Gray had that, that <laughs> yes, huge game? Vaguely, yes, but the Colts, Yeah, well, of course. I mean, no one has seen Jonas Gray ever since. He is on a, you know, America's most wanted, like, missing persons list because he had that one great game, and that was about it. But for the Patriots, being able to give Tom Brady help like that because the passing game is struggling is tremendous. They always play. It's always tough with them against the Jets on the road, and they still won by two touchdowns. I mean, and they still covered the spread, and 97% of the money in Vegas yesterday was coming in on the Patriots, and they delivered. So a lot of happy folks right there. You know, their schedule really evens out. You know, they're home against the Vikings. They're at Miami, at Pittsburgh, and then after that, home against Buffalo, home against the Jets. So if they can survive these next three weeks, they're putting themselves in great position to play at home and play. First, Pittsburgh has to beat New England, something that they just simply don't do. Then on top of that, you've got to try to get home field advantage. You've got to get the Patriots out of Foxborough. They have never made a Super Bowl playing on the road in the postseason under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. You can get them out of Foxborough, you've got a chance to beat them. But if they're playing up there, it's going to just make it that much tougher. So, I mean, I just think New England is the more consistent team heading toward December. Are the Colts going to make the playoffs? Sure, looks like it, right? And, and listen, what a big-time comeback. And, of course, you know, Dolphins fans are just banging their heads against the wall watching Adam Gase, you know, in his play calling in the fourth quarter, which was absolutely disastrous. You know, again, a, a little, you know, little bit of a tougher schedule. You know, they're at Jacksonville this week, at Houston after that, home against the Cowboys, then home against the Giants and at Tennessee. So they put themselves in good position. Andrew Luck is playing brilliantly right now, as we know. 30-37 yesterday, 81.1% on the completion percentage right there. Throwing at least three touchdown passes in eight straight games. That is the second longest streak of at least three touchdown passes in a game in NFL history. So, I mean, he, you know, Tom Brady's the guy who has the record with 10. I mean, the guy's just been absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, I mean, Eric Ebron, he's getting stuff out of him that no one else has been able to get on offense, and the defense is sound. I mean, you know, a lot of, and that speaks volumes about a guy that we got to talk about, Clay, real quick. Matt Everflus, their defensive coordinator. I know that offensive coaches are the flavor of the month. This guy, Clay, in about two 
years is probably going to be an NFL head coach. He was a Cowboys linebackers coach, did a great job there with Sean Lee, Jalen Smith, Anthony Hitchens during his time in Dallas. Got the chance to be a defensive coordinator. Was supposed to be working with his buddy Josh McDaniels, but Josh left him high and dry. The Colts wanted to keep him. Frank Reich wanted to keep him. And playing that Tampa too, they've done an outstanding job. So yeah, I, I mean, I think that they're they're out of the six, you know, the teams that we've got that were five and five entering yesterday. I like Indianapolis' chances. It's amazing. Of course, they could have done themselves a favor by playing for the tie against the Houston Texans in Week Four. And you ask anyone in Houston if Houston ties that game and goes to 0-3 and one, they're not getting hot. They're not doing what they're doing right now. And you know, winning seven straight games after an 0-3 start. No team in NFL history did that. Colts made a big mistake there. We'll see if it's going to cost them at the end of the year. Titans Texans uh, Monday night. Do you buy into the Texans as pulling away in this division? It's something interesting. I, I don't know how much attention you pay to the line and what you uh, what you do, but the uh, the the Texans were around a seven point favorite. That line came back to three and a half. It's kind of sitting right around there. Do you think the Titans uh, will be competitive in this game, or do you think the Texans win their eighth in a row? I think the Texans win their eighth in a row, and and some of it's going to be because it's just going to be so emotionally charged there. Now, we've seen emotionally charged Texans before. Remember week one in 2017 when they opened their season at home following Hurricane Harvey, and they got absolutely smoked by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, you know, they got to be careful and not not get too wrapped up in all the pregame emotion and then just be completely flat the rest of the game. But I just think, you know, primetime game for the Texans. I I also feel like in the wake of Bob McNair's passing, going to be a lot of emotion wanting to win one for this guy. And I just think the Titans are just a limited team. Uh, they really are. I mean, they're still in the process of rebuilding this team to the image of what they want. You know, on both the offensive and defensive side of the football, the secondary, Malcolm Butler, has not lived up to that big money contract on offense. You know, Derrick Henry doesn't really fit into what they're trying to do there on, on offense. I mean, he's a, he's a closer, but really, Deion Lewis is more their guy. They're okay at wide receiver. Corey Davis is stepping up a little bit. You know, he's actually 19 yards away from his first 1,000-yard season. I, I just think Houston's a better team and, and kudos to Bill O'Brien for keeping everything together when it looked like it was all going to fall apart you know I'm, I'm not I haven't been the huge Bill O'Brien fan through the years but I give him credit for the first time working with the general manager he gets along with and Brian Gain and they've got the team headed in the right direction Drew Brees and the Saints uh with I know they played on Thursday night but you've watched and covered Drew Brees for a long time in this league. Are you yep. stunned by how good he is this year? And also Phillip Rivers, who we haven't even talked about. I mean, both of those guys in their 30s, upper 30s, Drew Brees is 39. He's the exact same age as me. Uh, I believe that Phillip Rivers is 37-ish. Um, why is it that these guys are both having career years at the exact same time? I think one of the reasons is, is you know, continuity with the people, the offensive coordinator. And this I put it out on Twitter last night, and you know, I, Ken Wisenhunt, I think, is going to re-enter the head coaching mix. Believe it or not, I know, Clay, he was terrible with the Tennessee Titans. You know, his time in Arizona didn't end well either. But look at the numbers that are being put up by the Chargers. And I just think Phillip Rivers, look, he has great weapons at his disposal. Don't get me wrong. They've shored up the offensive line, and he's a fantastic passer. But I really think that has something to do with it, the, the fact that, you know, look, you, you are so comforted. He knows every week what Ken Wisenhunt wants to call. He's able to give feedback. They just These two work extremely well together. And it was really pivotal when I talked to Anthony Lynn about this, for him to have both his coordinators back and get him signed to three-year deals, Ken Wisenhunt and Gus Bradley both. And, you know, look, the Arizona Cardinals are horrendous, right? But what Phillip Rivers did yesterday, you know, and think about it, it's a secondary two with Patrick Peterson, you know, and the guy completed 25 straight passes to open the game, 28 of 29. He was, It's just a performance we've never seen before in NFL history. So you're right. And as for Drew Brees, again, continuity, Pete Carmichael, Sean Payton, these are guys 
guys that, that are so that he's so familiar with the where New Orleans has made their big deal is with personnel groupings. And they're they're able now because Drew is so comfortable in this offense. Austin Carr said that they had fifty five different personnel groupings ready to go against the Atlanta Falcons. 55 different things that they can put out there. Unbalanced lines, three receivers, two receivers, two tight ends, three tight ends, all these different things that they're able to do to try to keep teams off balance. And it's one thing trying to contain a guy like Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. It's another when you're shuffling guys on and off the field so much or you're getting caught because the Saints hurry up or they put Taysom Hill in the game, you know, throw a curveball at you like that. It's just, you know, and I think that's why Sean Payton's not going to win Coach of the Year. I don't think. I think that's probably a Matt Nagy thing if the Bears continue to, to win and take the division, maybe Frank Reich. But I think this has been Sean Payton's best coaching job ever based upon what we've seen from Drew Brees and, and based upon the way that he's kept teams off guard. We're, this is a type of offense. I know the Rams get attention and the Chiefs as well, but this Saints one is so unique because of all the different things they're doing from an X and O standpoint. Outstanding stuff as always. Go follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. Alex, we'll talk to you next week and we'll only have uh, four weeks left in the season by the time we talk next week. Don't, don't make me cry, Clay, please. Thank you. <laughs> it's Alex Marvez. Go follow him on Twitter, like I said, at Alex Marvez. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when 
you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!